Let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father God, we thank you for Sunday. We thank you for your Lord's Day. We thank you for bringing us together uh, today here at Newcastle and for this uh, session on evangelism. Lord, we thank you that uh, uh, you gave us the Great Commission in Matthew to go into all the world. And Father, we ask that you would just open up our hearts, give us that uh, mentality, that heart that we want to share the hope in Jesus Christ that we have. And we want to share that with the world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for each one that is in, in this room. Uh, keep us, guard us, open our hearts and minds, Lord, to what you might have to say. In Christ's name, amen. Evangelism, okay? What is evangelism? Why evangelism? Any thoughts? You want to share about evangelism? There's no, I don't think there's any right answer, right, Allie? Is there any right answer? There's a lot of answers. There's a lot of answers. Yes. Sharing the good news. Anything else? Glenn? You going to share something? Why evangelism? Why evangelism? To share the gospel. To share the gospel. But, you know, deep down inside, each one of us know that we should share Jesus Christ to another person, right? Okay. And I'm not here, and I, don't, I can't speak for Kyle, but I'm pretty sure that neither one of us are going to want to beat anybody over the head about evangelism. But where do we go for all our information today and the correct information? Where? The Bible, but where else? The Internet. Come on. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, the Internet. But I went first. This is going to uh, show you my age, okay? I went to a dictionary, okay? So I would be uh, north of 60 years old, okay? So that will help you. Uh, the dictionary, Webster's Dictionary says, the winning or reawakening of personal commitments to Jesus. Okay. Uh, now, I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, that's Webster, okay? Um, the Bible basically says, as a Christian, evangelism is sharing Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? Sharing Jesus Christ. Okay? So, I'm going to stop right here because uh, Justin questioned me this morning. When he saw this picture on the TV screen, uh, he asked me if that was Mackinac. <laughs> and uh, it's not Mackinac. You know that. This is New York City, looking from New Jersey. And I had the opportunity to be there three weeks ago with Spread Truth, a ministry out of Bloomington that has gone for 29 years in a row, minus the two years of COVID, to do street witnessing in New York. Now, the reason I just show you that is that, you know, we were sharing Jesus Christ, okay? And the hope that we in this room as believers have in Jesus Christ. And uh, think about why did Christ come to the earth to save us? He came to earth to give us that hope, didn't he? To give us eternity, you know. Uh, to give us, so what is evangelism? Why evangelism to us as Christians? It should be very important, hopefully, okay? I'm not an expert in evangelism. 
I've had the opportunity to go to New York five times. I've had and be on the street, street witnessing. Um, but I am not anyway an expert. I will tell you this. Uh, it's taught me a lot. Um, I think personally it's opened me up to share uh, Jesus Christ right here where I live more than I ever did before. Um, I'll tell you two quick stories about New York over the last five years. Uh, I'm standing uh, at a stairway coming out of a subway in an area called, in the area of the Bronx, but it's called the Hub. The Hub is a crazy busy place. There's five streets that come into it. There's buses and taxis and people, okay? So me and a lady, uh, Elizabeth from Birmingham, Alabama, we're working together this day in the Hub. And at the same time, our eyes hit this lady coming up out of the stairway out of the subway. And what hit me is that being of the male species is that she had no clothes on other than a top. And this top only came down a little bit below a certain area that you, I think you should have covered up. Um, she had flip-flops on. Her hair was all messed up. And Elizabeth and I remember looked at each other and said, well, that's why we're here, Elizabeth. <laughs> and of course, you know, God's divine providence, she was coming right towards us. And of course, you know, your first thought is, is she on drugs? Is she on alcohol? Is she mentally disturbed? And we started talking to her, and she, you know, knew where she was at, knew what she was. And we spent an hour and 20 minutes talking to her. She had got kicked out of her apartment. She had no clothes with her. She had lived on the, in the subway, slept in the subway the night before. And what was beautiful about this is that after an hour and 20 minutes, we led her to the Lord. And about two doors down from where we were standing, there was a women's clothing store. So Elizabeth went and got another lady in our group, and they went down to that store and bought her some clothes. She came back, we talked to her a little bit, and she left with her clothes and some flip-flops. And probably 20 minutes later, here come this lady out of this clothing store, and she wanted to know what we were doing there. And we said, well, we're with Spread Truth. We're here sharing Jesus Christ on the streets of New York this week. Could we pray for you? And she goes, no, don't pray for me. And she left. So we thought, wow, we offended her somehow. Within a couple of minutes, she came back with this milk crate full of cold bottled water and her husband. They owned this clothing store. And she said, we want to know about Jesus. We got to share Jesus with those two. They became believers. And it was a very hot day that day. And she said, you can use our store to cool off if you need to. And you can uh, use our bathrooms. We have a lunchroom in the back of the st store you can go and use if you need to. Okay. Those are God things. God things. One more quick story and we'll get on to evangelism. More. This past three weeks ago, I'm back in the hub, 
I'm not with Elizabeth. I'm with Helen from Boise, Idaho. And we had this, and we, you know, the two things I've noticed the last two years I've been in New York is marijuana is legal to smoke on the street in New York, and it's heavy. And, I, and the mental health issue is just, I don't know anything about mental health other than it's, okay, this three weeks ago, we were in the hub, we're talking to this gentleman, and all of a sudden, this man just falls flat out on the sidewalk. And of course, me and Helen just kind of looked at him and like, what in the world? He goes, keep talking, keep talking, and he's laying on the sidewalk. So we kept talking, you know, we've been over talking to him, and about five, seven minutes into this, he goes, I need some water. I need some water. Give me some water. So there's a street vendor, so we bought him a bottle of water. And so we've been over thinking he wanted to drink, and he goes, no, 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 dump it on my head, dump it on my head. <laughs> so we dumped it on his head, and like two minutes, this guy jumps up to his feet, looks at us too, and he goes, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. We led this guy to the Lord, got his name and information, and he goes off down the street. So uh, there were two situations I've had in five years in New York. I could tell you many other stories, but that's not why we're here today. But uh, I will tell you this. When I get questioned of why I go to New York, why Spread Truth goes to New York, there's 180 people groups in New York. And there's a gentleman by the name of Hermissi that was a Muslim from Kenya. He was studying at New, York, at New York University. And there's a park that we go to every year, Washington Square Park, which is right next to New York University. Well, one of the reasons we go there is because that's a heavy Jewish area. Hermissi came on a lunch break to that park. One of the spread tooth peoples, two of them, started talking to him. He was led to the Lord. Hermissi is from Kenya. He went back to Kenya three years ago, and he went to the president of Kenya and said, I want to tell you about Jesus. He led the president of, of Kenya to Christ. He then asked the president of Kenya, Give me every public school in Kenya. I want to go in and share Jesus Christ. Now, I'd like to ask you, would you like to go to the Morton Public Schools tomorrow morning? Or DMAC? Or anywhere and ask that superintendent? Would you like to go down to Springfield and ask any state legislature? You might get a good response from Bill Howder, our state rep here. But, you know, and people say, why do you go to New York? That's why we went to New York. I wasn't involved in Hermesy, but the point is, Christ will go anywhere and everywhere, right? So he goes to New York. And Hermesy has opened up Kenya, or I should say God has opened up Kenya. Anyway, so you see there's, there should be no barriers for us, no restrictions for us, okay? And we all know evangelism is important to the Great Commission. You have the verses that I'm going to go through the, this morning. And the, the first passage there that we look at is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them 
to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Evangelism is important to people, to God, isn't it? He gave the great commission out to his disciples that day, to us today, through his holy word. Evangelism is the fulfillment of what Christ wants us to do. And how do we do that? Can we do evangelism in our own power? Can we? Ben, can you do evangelism in your own power? I cannot. Do you want to do it at all? And I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm just saying, I don't want to do it. Do you want to do it? Do you want to do it? But the great thing about it, if we go to Acts 1.8, you have the scripture there on that page, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Can we put Morton in place of Jerusalem? Can we put Deer Creek Mackle in the place of Judea? Can we put Peoria in the place of Samaria? I think we could. So there's a thought that I came across. And I can't remember where I read this. I think it was a Tim Keller book. Uh, Witnessing involves making the visible, visible, what otherwise is invisible. Does that make any sense? You know, really what? When you, before you became a believer, at whatever age, did you have a clue what salvation was? Did you have a clue that Jesus Christ wanted to save you? Maybe some of us in this room, like myself, grew up in a Christian home. But you know, each one of us are coming across a culture today that is less and less for Christ. Would you agree with that? Um, I'm not trying to self-promote myself this morning, but I do want to self-promote myself. Uh, you know, we live in a dark culture, right? There's a lot of things going on that we don't like, we don't understand. Um, and one of the things that I was blessed to be given an opportunity a year and a half ago was to have a weekly radio program on WPEO Radio in Peoria. And it's called God Loves Missions, Evidence of God at Work in the World. And one of the most beautiful things I like about it now, after doing it for a year and a half, is that I get to talk to people, interview people from all over the world about the work that God is doing through them. You know, I, I uh, interviewed uh, uh, Luke Society. Some of you may know Luke Society through... Uh, Kyle and Diane Crawl. Diane's on the board of the Luke Society. It's a medical society. They don't send missionaries out, but they go and find Christian medical people that are doing work in countries. And we used to support one here. Uh, I can't remember what country off the top of my head, but uh, he was in a Muslim area. You know, and to hear how God is working. You know, so... I'm not trying to promote my radio program, but I'm just blessed to have a program that I get to hear from people every week that God is at work. God is at work. God is at work. You know, um, he's here. He's, he's everywhere. Okay? 
How many of you have ever heard of uh, the Barna Research Group? Okay, it's a Christian research group that does a lot of evangelical um, uh, surveys and polls. I find this interesting, not only interesting, but I find it encouraging, I hope it's encouraging to you, that almost all practicing Christians that believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus. Here's the percentages. It blew me away because I didn't think it was going to be this high, but thankfully, 95% among all generation groups, that's the millennials, the generation X's, the Y, the Z's, and whoever else that is, <laughs> believe that they should share Jesus Christ. 95%. I mean, I, I think that's great, okay? And the other percentage that I found on Barna was that 94% says the best thing ever happened to them is that they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But here's the fall off. You ready for the fall off? Only 47% of evangelical Christians <coughs> feel they're prepared to share Jesus Christ. And again, I'm not here to beat anybody over the head today because five years ago, before I went to New York, I would say that I was fearful of sharing Jesus Christ. Did I try to live it out every day in my home, in my work, in, to my neighbors? Yeah, yeah. But did I share with my neighbors? Oh, I'll pray for you. My wife's having cancer. Oh, I'll pray for you. And I don't know about you, where you live. I don't know your neighbors. I don't know where you work. Um, but where we live in Morton, we have agnostic on one side of us. We have an atheist that lives across the street from us. We have a house that has uh, been married four times with five kids. We have another house that's uh, a mixed marriage with seven kids. We have a lady that lives behind us that tells me, don't talk to me about your God. So, I don't have to go to New York. I can have neighbors I, can, I need to share Christ with. You know, so it doesn't matter. I guess my point, it doesn't matter whether it's New York or Morton or wherever you live. You know, um, we have family, coworkers, neighbors, friends, you know, uh, that need to hear us tell them about Jesus. And it doesn't, you know, I, I think sometimes that, do you think you get confused sometimes when you think we talk about evangelism, that you have to share Jesus Christ with that person every time? D does that confuse you sometimes? It does me. It does me because I think that, that God has put each and every one of us in a place 
that's divine. And He's put us there to be His witness. His, what's the, uh, the thing? Ambassador. That ambassador. That cold water that maybe nobody ever gets. The lady that lives behind us that's told me, don't tell me about your God. And talking to her over the last couple, three years, she grew up in a pastor's home that her dad worked all the time in the church. No, I'm not putting a pastor down. Folks, I'm just telling you what this lady has said. I didn't see the goodness of God coming through my dad. I didn't see the love of God coming through my dad. All I saw, can you come to my birthday party, Dad? No, no, I got to be something. I got to do something at church. Can you come to my ball game, Dad? No, I got to do something at church. So, evangelism hard with her? Yeah. You know, she's not very kind, you know. Maybe the first time three years ago we had a large snow and I, I tried to mow her. I tried to not mow. Forgive me. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't do it with a mower. I tried to snow blow her driveway. She told me, don't do it. I don't want a Christian doing anything for me. Okay. You know? So the point is, and we all face that. I'm not uh, saying I'm the only one. You, we each face those people that don't want to know about God. Okay? But like Rod said, we're to be that ambassador. Look at that verse on your page there, uh, Romans 15, 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentile to obedience by word and deed. By word and deed. That's why I was just sharing with you. By word and deed. How does Christ want us to be that ambassador? By word and deed. You know, I don't have to give this flowery speech to them every time. I don't have to pound over the head with the four spiritual laws or the Roman way or there's the evangel cube. I don't know if you've seen that one, but, you know, but by word and deed, how do I do that? How do we do that? I have a great father, earthly father. He's passed away, but uh, I'm a nonconformist. Some of you may know that from being around me. Okay. Um, my dad, of all people, was an engineer. Put an engineer and a nonconformist son together. You know, it's kind of like oil and water, you know, it doesn't mix, you know. But, and I hated Caterpillar. I worked there 28 months, hated every minute of it. Because I don't like, I don't like processes. I don't like procedures. I don't like plans. Okay? But one of the things I got to see after 28 months of being a caterpillar, I didn't work for my dad, but I worked close to him, close to where he worked. And I had people after people come up to me and say, your dad's the best manager I had in my life. Your dad shared Jesus Christ to me. I knew your dad loved you, his son, because he talked about you. 
I had a lady come through my dad's funeral visitation line and said to me, your dad was the best manager I ever had because he had the type of management skills to have his arm around me and kicking me in the rear end at the same time. You know, that's my God's love. That's God's love. That wasn't my dad. Because, you know, let's face it, folks, let's be honest. Do I really want to love you with all the flaws you have? Because, you know, I don't have any flaws. <laughs> you know, I got up this morning, man, I jumped out of that bed, and wow, I get to come teach evangelism this morning to these people. All are going to do is stare at me. So the point is, I hope you get my point. The point is, you know, to love another is hard. But that's what Christ tells us to do in word and deed. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 14 on your page there. All that we do be done in love. How hard is that, people, for us? For me, not for you. But how hard is that? How hard is that when my neighbor behind me says, don't talk to me about your God? Oh my gosh, I'm going to bake a cherry pie and take it over to her, don't I? Have a little cherry pie and ice cream with her tonight. But how, I mean, how difficult is that? When we get that negative reaction, you know, we get that negative reaction. Don't push Jesus on me. Don't push it. Now, I'm not saying that every, every uh, contact I had over the last five years in New York City was positive. But I've never had a negative experience. When people told me they didn't want to talk about Jesus, they didn't want prayer, they didn't want this, okay, here's the booklet. They'll take it. You might say it in the garbage can to block down the street. But the point is, you know, in word and deed. Think about it. If you're sitting here this morning as a believer in Christ, what drew you to Christ? Was it a parent? Was it a neighbor? Was it a friend? Can I make it easy for us? Was it love? Was it word and deed? Do you want to come to church and sit next to me if I have a, a scoury face on and I'm, I'm mad and I don't want to see you? Well, you really want to come and sit next to me in church this morning, don't you? Who are we drawn to? Who are you drawn to? Your mate, hopefully. But who are you drawn to? We're drawn to people that we like. Isn't that true? We're, gone, we're drawn to people that, love, that we see a love in them. And what do we need to have as Christians? We need to have that love. That we can show that word and deed. Let's go back to Matthew 8, 28, 28, 18 through 20. What's verse 9 say? Verse 19 say? What's the one word there? Go. Think about when Jesus was speaking to the disciples about the Great Commission. Was he just talking to them at that time? Of course, they were the only there. That was his only audience. Was he talking to some all-American sports star? A Harvard grad? British royalty? Elite? No. He was talking to how many? How many were there? 11, 12? Replacing for uh, Judas hadn't come yet. 
So probably 11. I don't know if you've ever heard of Brendan Manning, but Brendan Manning wrote a book, Ragamuffin Gospel. If you've never read it, grab it. He's a, he's a Catholic priest that became a believer. And, you know, what he was taught as a Catholic priest to, was diametrically opposed, he shares in this book, of what Christ teaches us. Okay, here's what he says. This rag, he's talking about the disciples here, okay? This ragtag team of men that Jesus called to be his disciples were not educated, not qualified, or ready to share the good news that Jesus let alone let him start his church. Those of us that know the story of Moses, what did Moses say at the burning bush? Huh? Me? Speak? Do you know what my tongue is like, Jesus? God? Jesus was there, forgive me. You know what my tongue is like? Hey. What did Joshua say? And Joshua was an old man. Well, Moses was older too. But the point is, you know, Brandon, point is, these were a bunch of ragtag guys. They weren't Harvard grads. They weren't elites. But on your page there in Matthew 16, 13 through 20, what did he do in verse 13? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? There's verse 14. I didn't write it down. But the point is, look at verse 15. Christ didn't really care at that point, at this particular moment, what the other people thought. He wanted to talk about these disciples. But who do you say that I am? You've been with me. You've walked with me. You've seen the people I want to share, you know, about Jesus with. But who do you say that I am? And look at verse 16. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what does verse 18 tell us about how Jesus' reply was? And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you think Jesus already knew what Peter was going to do? Huh? Huh? Jesus knows everything, right? And here in Matthew 16, verse 18, he tells Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And we know, if we go to Acts, and we'll go there in just a little bit, who started that church. But there's four, there, was, there were 12 disciples, and Judas got himself a little... Uh, problem there. So there were 11 until they decided on another one. But I want to just look at four this morning. Peter, John, Philip, and Thomas. And I gave some sheets out to several guys. Peter, if you could read your sheet there, uh, if you could. 
Yeah, so Peter the Rash, Matthew 14, 29. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and to Jesus. Peter the Headstrong, Matthew 26. This very night before the roosters crowed, you will deny me three times. Peter the Outspoken, Matthew 26. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And Peter, willing to challenge Jesus from John 13, Lord, do you wash my feet? If everybody else denies you, Lord, not me. You probably never had that moment, did you? Probably never had that time that you're somewhere where you say, boy, I'm going to stand for Jesus. What about John? John the Impulsive. Luke 9, 54. Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? John with zeal. Mark 3, 17. John and James, sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. What do we know about John and James? What would their mother do? Mother had a little visit with Jesus, didn't she? What'd she ask? Huh? Yeah, boy, oh boy, can you give my boys that special place? You know? Kind of like when our oldest son, Jonathan, ran track at the University of Iowa. He was told by the coach that all freshman athletes live in an older dorm room. The heat doesn't work very well, the air conditioning doesn't work very well, but you'll like it, you're a freshman. But the point of that story is, the coach said, I'm trying to make sure they don't think more of themselves than what they are. Too many people come to school on a high scholarship and they think they're special, okay? Impulsive, zeal. Think about that, Peter. <laughs> I'll never deny you, Lord. Let's look at Philip. Wait, go ahead, Steve. Matthew 10, 2 to 4. Now the names of the 12 apostles of these. The first Simon was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, and Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. You know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. uh, Philip stuck with Jesus, having been with Jesus as a disciple from the beginning. Yeah. You know, really, there's not much known about uh, Thomas other than he was, what Steve just said, he had been with Jesus from the beginning. Loyalty. He was loyal. Who were these disciples? A fisherman, a fisherman, a fisherman, a carpenter. Were they, holoqu- were they highly qualified evangelists? Would they be ready to go share Jesus Christ with another? A fisherman, a fisherman, a fisherman, a carpenter? Huh? And Christ is going to, when we look at that uh, Acts 2, verse 14 passage on your sheet, 
But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. What did Ben just read about Peter? I won't deny you, Jesus. I'll always be here for you, Jesus. What did the son, sons of thunder mother do? Jesus, boy, would you give one on your left and one on your right? What was Jesus' response to, there, to her? Are you ready to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? You know, I mean... Matthew 26, 35 again. Even if I must die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. That's Peter again. Okay? We're kind of all flawed people, aren't we? Have a lot of flaws. Impulsive? Zeal? Sometimes? Open my mouth and stick my foot in it sometimes. I could say, in my case, it's most of the time. Okay? Um, Brendan Manning, in his book, The Ragamon of the Gospel, said something else. I think it's interesting. I believe and I doubt. I hope and I get discouraged. I love and I hate. I feel bad about feeling good. I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. I am trusting and suspicious. I am honest. But, unfortunately, I still play a lot of games. You ever catch yourself sometimes? Exactly doing exactly that? I believe sometimes. I doubt sometimes. I hope sometimes. I get discouraged sometimes. I love. I hate. I feel bad about feeling good. I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. Sometimes I'm trusting. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm suspicious. But I like to play games. Do we play games with Jesus? Do we go places we don't, we're not supposed to go? Do I look at things I'm not supposed to look at? Do I eat what I shouldn't be eating? I know those are all maybe surface things, but the point is, you know, the old saying is where my heart is, it's where my treasure is. I used to have uh, two old British cars. If you know anything about British cars, they don't run. They break down a lot. And uh, I parked them way an hour north of Peoria, or north of Morton, in a town called McNabb because I got to store them there for free. But I had to drive an hour to go see them. And then an hour back home after I got done. So I talked, I talked my wife into one night. We were going over to see the Shakespearean festival over in Normal. So I talked, it was a nice summer night, so I talked Karen into, let's take the MG and go to dinner, and then we can go to and drive it home. It's a nice night. We have the top down, okay? Well, if you know where Mitsubishi Parkway is on 74 now, it's Rivian Parkway, um, it broke down on the way home there from there. And then a little rain came up. The evening was wonderful. The point of the story is, 
had to really ask myself. And really, ladies and gentlemen, before our boys came along, I spent a lot of time with these British cars. I would drive that hour, spend my whole day Saturday, driving them, working on them, playing with them. And that night, my wife never said a word. All she said was, enjoy them. Enjoy them. I don't think I'll be riding with you again. <laughs> that wasn't anything. But the point is, where is our heart? Is it in tune with God? Is it in tune with my British cars? They're gone now. They're sold a number of years ago. Do I miss them? Yeah. Would I like to have them back? Yeah. But I don't want that time that I would spend with them. So the point here is, the story goes that a public center was excommunicated and forbidden entry to the church. He took his woes to God. They won't let me in. Lord, because I'm a sinner. What are you complaining about? They won't let me in either. Is that the way we are sometimes? We won't let God in? Why evangelism? Because we've been commanded to. What's the greatest news in the world? We have it, don't we? We have it in our heart. We have it to give. Look at Luke 19.10 on your page there. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Look at that Ezekiel 34.16 passage. I will seek the lost and bring the strayed, and I will bind the injured. That verse goes on a little bit farther than that, but those are the, that's the gist of that verse. I will seek the lost, bring the strayed, and I will bind the injured. And what are we supposed to do? Share with those that are lost. Share with those that are hurting. Share Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, why evangelism? Because we're commanded to do it. Is it, one, is it my first thing on my list every morning when I get out of bed? No. Is it my first thing before I go eat my Big Mac at lunchtime? No. Is it my first thing that I want to do in between picking evangelism or getting a cup of coffee? No. But we're commanded to do it. No, it's not easy to be in New York talking to somebody on the street that you don't even know. Hey. But to get on that plane on Saturday morning, three weeks ago, and come home, and to know that you got to talk to people about Jesus, you know? The person that lives next door to me. I don't like talking to Bob next door to me. He's an, he's an agnostic. He's a hard person to talk to. I mean, his three kids don't even come back to see him. They haven't been back in years. 
One lives in Rockford, one lives in Kiwani, one lives in California. He didn't even go and see them. And I want to go sit with Bob on his patio and talk about Jesus with him? Bob aggravates me. Because the grass between our driveways, he mows it all the time for me because he always says, you don't mow it evenly. <laughs> oh, I love you, Bob. But seriously, we all have those people in our life, right? That kind of know how to take that needle. You know, maybe that needle's rusty, you know. But we're commanded to take it everywhere. Morton, Deer Creek, Washington, Peoria, East Peoria. You know, so I hope you enjoy the next number of weeks as we talk about evangelism, as we try to encourage one another to share our faith. You know, um, I'm flawed, and I'm glad to know that you are. You know, thank you, Lord, for making us who we are. Because he's wired us each different, hasn't he? Thankfully, we're all the same. You know, it'd be a boring place, wouldn't it? Yes, Glenn. Mark, I want to step off for just a minute here. Yeah. You're talking about your neighbor, agnostic. Um, one, one thing was sticking in my head. We go to Matthew 5, 43 to 48. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So that's a good reminder for us, me included, mm -hmm. to remember that. You know, just like you were saying, but I want to sit next to you in church if you're scowling. No, I wouldn't want to. But this is a command from our Lord that we should be willing to do that, even if even out of love. Yeah. There's something I was. Yeah. <clears throat> Ever like to sit on a plane next to a, a person that brings their uh, uh, schnauzer uh, and ask you to hold it for them while they go to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, 2,000 mile trip to California. How long? And, and it wasn't just one time, it was several times on that flight. And then she proceeded to tell me as we were coming into Sacramento, you may notice I have a bowel problem. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad to know that. <laughs> you know? Love your enemies. Yes, Gina. I just want to comment on what you said. Um, I, I feel like our culture has bought into this Christian culture of boundaries. And every time I read all of these books that are put on the shelf about boundaries and this and boundaries and that, and I think to myself, is that really biblical, right? Like, God calls you to patiently endure evil. He calls you to love your enemies. He calls you to do all these things. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to keep them at arm's length, right? Like, if they don't meet my needs, they're not kind to me, I'm not going to be kind to them. Um, I just think that sometimes some of even our Christian books on the bookshelves sometimes are leading us all astray. And he calls us to sacrifice. He calls us to do things that sometimes don't include boundaries. Now, I'm not saying. Yeah. yeah. You know. No, I, I get your point.
we do, you know, we want to, uh, I think our society does do that today. You know, we have these lines of demarcation that we don't cross that line. You know. I'm not saying let someone abuse you. Let someone, right. I'm not saying that whatsoever. Right. No, I think I get your point. Even as Christians, we tend to the yeah. boundaries maybe that God doesn't call us to see. Yeah, yeah. I'll agree with you on that. Just that we do need to set some boundaries on that sometimes because right. we can get into that being abused. Yeah, but we take, I just feel like we take them too far sometimes, right? Sure. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. It's the heart, I, it's the heart of why we set the boundary probably. Right. Like, right. Where, where's the where's your heart in that, which is what where's Jesus was always concerned with. Yeah. Um, because the, there are examples where you have to. Yeah. But then there are examples where we just want to because it's more comfortable or more convenient for us. But I've seen a lot of stories of people, and I've been touched by people who have suffered well in the face of persecution. Not persecution that would have maybe been abusive or something like that, but, but just suffered well in the face of a neighbor who doesn't want you to snow blow their driveway because you're a Christian. I'm not saying trespass and snow blow their driveway anyway, but but... You know, when when we suffer well in the face of persecution, that that is that is evangelizing to that person. It is we are we are giving a testimony for who Christ is in, in that. I yeah. Think that yeah. I'll tell you, Eric. I sent Karen over the next time to ask her one because <laughs> Karen's a little more gracious than I am. Well, <laughs> Maybe some of you know that. As is you my know. wife. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd leave you with this and. Uh, this verse mean, means, means a lot to me. Just in the last three weeks, when I was in New York three weeks ago, we got to go to Times Square Church on Tuesday night for their prayer service. Tim Delina is a senior pastor there. Tim Delina, tell you a quick story about that, some background. Tim Delina grew up in the city of New York. His father was a captain of the New York Police Department. Uh, if you ever read the book, The Cross and the Switchblade, with David Wilkerson and Nikki Cruz, uh, the night that Nikki Cruz's gang was getting ready to fight another gang right there in Times Square, uh, David Wilkerson wanted to get in across that police line and get in and share Jesus Christ with that group. Tim Delina's dad, the senior pastor of Times Square Church, was the police captain that let him cross the line to go in. And, but Tim Delina shared a verse from Psalms 109, 14. On the last part of it, uh, I give myself to prayer. And that really hit me. And he shared the fact that, you know, we're all pressed, right? We're all pressed for time. We're all pressed that we only, we have so much to do. We can't, you know, we can't get it all done. And Tim Delina said, you know, New York City, being in Times Square, you're going to get pressed. But we're all, we all get pressed in our work, in our families, in our neighborhoods. But he, he shared the fact that he remembers, he always remembers that verse and says, I give myself to prayer. You know, we can say a quick prayer anywhere, can't we? While we're riding in the car, while we're sitting right here. Pray for this guy that tried to been teaching the last hour on this. But the point is, you know, I, that hit me when I was sitting there that night at Times Square Church. I give myself to prayer. You know, we could, as we said earlier, we could all say the culture's gone, gone terrible, hasn't it? But I could pray for it. 
you know, Gina says, I can pray for those lines, those boundaries. You know, uh, that's changed over the last couple of years with my neighbor that told me not to snow blow their driveway. Uh, I've done that a number of times over the last couple of winters. But, um, but the point is, you know, uh, let's give ourselves to prayer. When we're, when we're pressed to witness, to share, let's give ourselves to prayer. You know, it's, that encouraged me, and I hope that could be an encouragement to you. That Psalms 109, 14. I give myself to prayer. Because, you know, I, I asked Ben earlier, I put Ben on the spot earlier, did he like to evangelize? He said, no, I don't like to do it. But I have to give it to prayer, don't we? You have to give it to prayer. Okay, thank you. I talked too much. I was going to do some prayer time, but uh, Ben told me I have to quit no later than 1025. And it's already like 1029. So I, won't, I will not be back next week because Ben says you went over time. No, no. Uh, I will be back. And Kyle will be here next week to, to uh, share. And uh, he is going to go, I believe, after I talk to him, to go to a little, little more of what is evangelism. Okay? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for each one in this room. Lord, you have gifted us. You have wired us all differently. And thank you, Lord, that you've done that. But Lord, you have placed us in places that you have ordained. You have given us a mouth. You have given us a heart after you. May we share the love of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the eternal life that each one of us has that we want to give to our neighbor, to our coworker, to our family, to our friend to that person that we may sit next to on a plane that puts a dog in my lap, Lord. That person that tomorrow morning when we stop at that gas station, walk into work, Lord, that we may love them because you have commanded us to love them. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Amen. Thanks. Have a great day and a great week. Hey, thank you. I just want to get this. Oops.